Hey, brewery lovers, welcome back to another episode of the Brew Daddies. Today, Adam and I are in Silver Spring, Maryland. We are uh, visiting for the third time now, third time on this podcast, Silver Branch Brewing. And I got to say, we've been here, I've been here three times. This is the third time I've been here. First time for me. First time for Adam. And uh, the first time we recorded, I'm looking at the spot we were sitting at, and uh, now there's like 45 barrel fermenters <laughs> sitting in that spot. Uh, so a lot has changed. A lot has changed. We're here with Christian Lakey and Brett Robeson. Uh, the guys behind Silver Branch. We are weeks away from opening. You are weeks away from opening. Uh, and thank you guys so much for giving us the chance to come back and talk to you again as we followed your path from uh, the first one we recorded back in April. And you had just secured this space, and now it's uh, January, and, and it's it's filling out nicely. Yes, Thanks it again. is. Thank you. So let's just jump right to the point here. Uh, Christian, when are you guys opening? <laughs> gosh i wish i could answer that with 100 percent certainty i've been wishing that for months now of course. but as we get further and further along the dates do get more and more concrete and uh, we believe that uh, we're going to have staff start training the week of february 4th and that uh, our founders and investors will be able to celebrate a, a service uh, testing sort of pre-opening event uh, that same week and that uh, a soft opening uh, for the general public would be somewhere mid mid February. Awesome, that's close. That's it's, good. It's close. It feels great. Yeah. Do I slide in with the disclaimer now? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise we're gonna have a riot on our hands. No, sometime in February, I think yes. is probably yeah. what we can say to the to the listeners. Sometime in February, it's. I mean, I can speak to the to the space. It's it's pretty built out. It looks like mostly it's just finishing. I know you got some electrical work to do, but. Yeah, there's still a few things going on. We've got to get uh, some inspections passed, and uh, that's obviously something you can never say with certainty is going to happen with any without any problems. But uh, yeah, I mean, the team's been working really hard. Uh, still got a few things going on, but uh, it's a lot of finishes now. Great. So, Brett, why don't you tell us about, since the last time we talked in late June, like what are some of the, the biggest challenges that you faced uh, in sort of getting from the we've hired a general contractor to here, you know, getting getting close to opening. I think the ultimately the biggest challenge is is you know whether it's a brewery or another type of business, it's when you're not operational and you don't have revenue, it's all just a cash management equation, and so it's just a big challenge. Is okay, we have so much money that we're starting with. How are we going to? get to over the finish line with that in mind, you know, so that has been something that's been a weekly conversation for Christian and I, um, you know, I think as far as the physical challenges associated with the construction, I think at the time they were really scary and they were challenging. But now when I look back, I'm so like, wow, that's freaking cool. Like the, the floor that we're sitting on right now is three feet higher than when we last talked <laughs> sitting on this floor. So, you know, we had to lay these huge uh, 20 foot steel I beams to connect everything so that we could support the weight of our fermenters and our walking cooler. And so, it, you know, if you'd asked me this question two or three months ago, I probably would have been you know, deep circles under my eyes, pretty stressed, feeling like, oh man, I don't know if we're going to like pull this thing (laughs) off. But I think now knowing that we're close to the end, um, you know, the the scarier sort of engineering challenges are out of the way and we're more like, okay, this is awesome. Like we're just, you know, right now we're just super excited to get our doors open. I'll add to that, that it turns out 
opening a brewery in an office building we knew was going to be a challenge. It's a greater challenge than I think we ever dreamed. It has been highly complex to figure out how to get all of the engineering uh, into this space that's necessary to support a brewery. So um, it would have been a lot easier if we had gone into a you know warehouse uh, box out somewhere uh, sure. further out. But uh, sure. I think once we're open, we're going to be so happy to be here um, because we just see people walking by all the time looking in the windows. And just you can tell how excited everybody is to have us uh, be here with a brewery right in the heart of Silver Spring. One of our favorite questions to ask is with our design team and our general contractor and our brewery manufacturer and pretty much everybody that's involved in the project, we're like, so is this the hardest project you've ever done? And <laughs> they're all like, I'll wait till the end to give you the answer, but yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But I can I can imagine it's not, it isn't the usual sort of brewery space or the usual space someone would choose to produce a brewery. You've got what, 445 barrel fermenters? Uh, 245 barrel fermenters and 230 barrel fermenters. Okay, still, that's so. a lot of beer in an office building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We wanted the flexibility to be able to make anywhere from a 15 to a 45 barrel batch. Wow. Wow, well, it's turning into a beautiful space, I have to say. Thank Thanks. you. So a lot of brewers have said, or what we've heard, is that the government shutdown has affected them. Has that affected you at all, or do you think it may we seem to be future? in a bit of a lucky spot in that regard, in that we're not yet open, but we had gotten our labels designed early enough that we got our first four beers through the COLA permit, permit, permitting process prior to the government shutdown. We had gotten our brewers notice probably about six months ago. So everything we needed from the federal government at this particular moment, we have, and um we're crossing our fingers that by the time we need to get approval for additional beers that the government will be reopened. Um, I guess if they're not, then we won't be able to distribute into D.C., um, but just be able, have to stay here in Maryland. But luckily, we did have that brewer's notice because that could have been um, a real problem for us if we hadn't had that already. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I asked you about the challenges since we last spoke and throughout the bill process so far. Were there any like really, the word I want to use is triumph, but I think the way I would describe it is, were there any moments where you guys looked at each other and just like did a massive high five and were like, hell yeah, we like did this thing? I think uh, pretty recently we uh, erected our taproom and our production walk-ins um, and we had, you know, a couple of close friends help us through that process. And that was incredibly satisfying to do something that was more tangible and physical uh, as opposed to, you know, I mean, I think there is a lot of work to be done uh, in terms of planning and getting everything organized and coordinating. And you have, I mean, the amount of vendors that you have to work with to build a brewery um, is I couldn't tell you. I mean, probably we have over a hundred different vendors on varying scales that just to even get our doors open that we've had to interact with and coordinate and do all that stuff. So it takes a fair bit of time and, you know, you're building a brewery, but, you know, 75% of my life was spent in my apartment, you know, like on <laughs> yeah. a laptop, like, okay. So coming here, being in the space every day, physically, erecting these walk-ins was like, Oh, Hey, look at that, man. Like we did it. Like, cause nice. it's daunting, you know, like you, you've never done something before. Um, but it falls in line with, I think generally 
it's opening a business. It's like, sure. okay, well, here's here's one more. So the reward of the the tangible element pays off pretty high. I would agree with that. I think these last few weeks have been a lot more fun than the couple months prior to it because we are here. We can see the space being transformed. It's not just big engineering tasks that we can't be involved in happening anymore. It is tangible things like the walk-ins being erected. Uh, today, we spent a lot of time working on laying out the uh, bar. We're installing our own draft system, so we're you know, figuring out where do the beer engines go, where do the draft towers go, where do these cool check um, towers go that we're going to use for pouring lager. It all feels so tangible now, and I can absolutely envision how what we're doing will translate into the guest experience. So that's been really rewarding. The other thing that's been rewarding is just something that happened today, which is uh, we had a conversation with our accountant, and uh, she uh, gave us a pat on the back by saying that, well, you know, you guys are actually in really good shape given how many delays you've had because we've had a lot of other breweries who, in the same situation, have completely run out of cash and have been in a panic situation at this point in time. But you guys have managed to you know, manage your, your, your assets well enough that even though you have had delays, you're still going to be able to get to open without being in a panic-stricken situation. So that definitely felt really good. Um, so that th- for me, that was, that was a bit of a triumph. It's, it's got to be, as a small business owner and somebody starting a new business, like looking at the bottom line constantly and like, how, you know, like I, I got to get to point X and Adam has his own business too. So we're all like sort of have been in that. The cash that, is finite. The cash is finite and yeah. you've you've got to make it to this point <laughs> and you've got to figure out how to do it. So it's great when the accountants say you're doing a good job at that. that that's yeah. got to feel good. Yeah, because all that happens in the future is that point keeps moving. Yeah. <laughs> but you're still looking at it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you really are. It, it, that that part of owning a business never ends. Uh, right. Just sort of like, we've got this much cash, so we have to make this much this season or this quarter or this whatever. But but uh, but yeah, the fact that you, you're coming out of the gate sort of having nailed that pretty well is a good sign for the future of the brewery. When we, oh, well, let me say this. A lot has changed since the last time we talked in terms of the plans you have for the brewery. When we last spoke, uh, your plans were uh, that that you weren't really going to do any food at all here. Uh, you know, you might do some food truck stuff, uh, uh, but there was plenty of restaurants around, and you were totally going to let people, you know, bring food in. And, uh, you know, this was going to be a neighborhood brewery. Now, a couple of things that we talked about, uh, Christian, had have changed. Uh, so tell us a little bit about some of how you're going to be doing things differently than, than you'd planned, you know, eight months ago. So the focus remains, as before, squarely on the beer. Sure. And um, the food that we will offer is, is really meant to just support the experience of being here and enjoying some beer. So um, when we start out, we're just going to have snacks, really just uh, snack food, and then continue to welcome people to bring in any food they want. Okay. Over time, we ha- definitely would like to um, add a few elements to that but it's going to remain very simple. Things like sandwiches, we definitely want to get uh, an oven where we can bake off pretzels so that we have that on offer. Um, in the morning time when we start to offer coffee, we'd like to have croissant and other things like that that people enjoy drinking with, uh, having with coffee. So uh, I think that we, we carved out a little spot that we are calling our glorified toaster oven 
nice. where we want to put in a nice turbo chef oven or something along those lines that allows us to bake things off, um, but maybe uh, warm up various uh, sandwiches and things like that, just so that people have something to munch with uh, their, their their beer. Was there a particular reason for, for sort of adding that capacity in? Well, I think fundamentally we see ourselves as being inclusive as opposed to exclusive. Okay. And by having some of those other elements, it allows us to also incorporate uh, people who like wine and people who prefer cocktails and coffee drinkers. And so the big thing that's sort of tying it all together is, you know, beers our first love, but there's a whole variety and a whole world of beverages behind that that are also things that we really get excited about. And for us, we want people to see this as a great place to come hang out no matter what their choice of beverage is. And we, in order to do that, we have to have, um, however minimal, we do have to have you know some standards for food. Um, right. and food service. So I think it's it still remains in a territory where, you know, our beer and then behind that our beverages are really important. But um, the first and most important thing is uh, being welcoming and having people. And we can have more people and be more welcoming if we have more on offer. Um, so that's really, that was something that was really important to us. Um, and so we, we've always had this idea and it's solidified probably shortly after our last talk. Right. I think that's kind of how the, the game plan for how we were going to execute some of these things started to really come together in a meaningful way and move out of this is something we'd like to do and turn more into something. This is what we're doing. Right. Right. And, and, but you mentioned cocktails and that's something I haven't seen at most brewery tap rooms. I mean, fundamentally this is a brewery with a tap room uh, it's a production brewery. You guys are going to be canning and doing some distribution, and we've talked about that before. But cocktails is a new thing that I don't think Adam, have you? Like, when was the last time you were at a brewery that served cocktails uh, that wasn't fundamentally a brew pub? Right. Because you know it's not like we were at Mad Fox last, and 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 that's a brew pub, and that's very much their focus. And of course, you can get a cocktail there. This has always been different. So tell me, tell me yeah, about the very different. Yeah, the, the the bringing cocktails in. So I think I think one, it's a great idea. I'm not like, but I think that's but but it's it's new. So I'd love to hear about how that came about. One thing that um, both Christian and I, and also our taproom manager uh, Brandy, who's sitting here with us, but she's, hey, Brandy. <laughs> um, one thing that we have talked about is our service model, and when guests come in, how we're not a restaurant. We're not a coffee house. We are different from a standard American tap room in that we have cocktails and we have wine. And so when I am thinking about it and I'm describing it to people, we see ourselves as sort of kind of a, a, a new thing. It is new. Ooh. It's it's different. I couldn't sit here and tell you that I have all the answers for what that will look like, but I have an idea and it it goes back to wanting to be accommodating to a wide group of people. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It goes back to what Brett said earlier, that we want to be inclusive. And people who don't enjoy beer are not bad people. 
so we actually would like to see them inside our doors. Um, <laughs> Radical view. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, I know a few of them actually are in my family, and some of them actually don't drink alcohol at all. Uh, so we want for people who don't enjoy beer to still feel like this is a place for them to come. Uh, we want them to enjoy Silver Branch as much as people who are beer lovers. So that's why we want to have the cocktails, uh, the wine, the soda, and other things for, for people who aren't necessarily dedicated beer lovers. All right. Well, it sounds it sounds interesting. And in fact, I'm really, really happy to hear that because my wife, who loves beer, just doesn't drink a lot of beer. Um, she's not a big drinker uh, and she doesn't drink a lot of beer. So often when we go, when I want to go to a brewery and I'm like, hey, let's let's run up to, you know, one of the breweries in, in the area. She's like, well, how long are we going to be there? You know, um, but she'll she loves a good cocktail. <laughs> right. Um, and there are sodas and there's other options. So so I like that because it means that I can say, hey, let's let's run up to Silver Branch and I want to try. They've got a new lager on tap. I really, really want to try it. And you can have a margarita. You and, know? and I think one of the things that sort of drives some of the sentiment too is, and I oftentimes find that people will show up, maybe they'll do a flight, maybe they'll try four or five beers, and then they'll say, okay, if they really love one, they might order a full pour of one of them. Or they may say, okay, I got to try some beers, that's cool. Um, you know, where are we going to go next? And for right. us, we want to be in a position where if they know that they would like to have a glass of white wine after sampling some stuff, then they could do that. And in a sense, Silver Branch fades away. And then their interaction with the guests that they came there with becomes the focal point of why they're there. And so it turns it into a community place. And it's weird to say because, you know, the business that we're in is beer and and that is the number one product that we think about, talk about, you know, put a lot of energy into. But I think in advance of saying that we're brewers, we're we're here for people. Right. You know, and and I think when 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 those things fade away, then then people can just have a great time. Yeah, and in that same vein, I think you know, being inclusive, looking at families, I think you have some plans so that it's a welcoming place for children as well. Is that right? Yeah, we have uh, a couple of different seating areas in our tap room, and uh, one of them is is full of hot high tops. It's meant to be our little cocktail area. Um, another area is full of German beer garden tables. Uh, it's meant to be more of a communal seating area, and then one section has uh, a combination of two and four tops, where people who just want to come out with a, a friend or a group of, of friends and have a more intimate experience can sit and as a part of that in the in the corner we have a little section that we're going to put aside for for kids so we're planning on having um, a little bookshelf there where we can have some kids books and uh, there's a a column right there that we've talked about painting with um, black black uh, board paint so you can Uh, actually have a little chalk and they can like play with chalk so that's very cool yeah so the idea being that uh, if somebody comes with a toddler or a a kid they can have a little spot where they can feel comfortable sitting down and and, you know passing the time without getting too too bored hopefully yeah no that's great and families are bringing families to to breweries is really becoming a thing (laughs) so um, very much I, i find it every tap room i walk into sort of has a kid friendly uh, atmosphere, uh, mm-hmm. or at least tries to maintain that. Um, a minute ago, you said, uh, Brett, 
you made the comment, where are they going to, you know, like, like where are we going to go next? Like customers saying, okay, we tried a few years, where are we going to go next? Which leads me to ask uh, an interesting question about you guys opening up here in Silver Spring. Uh, Silver Branch is the third, will be the third brewery to open in essentially downtown Silver Spring. Uh, and, you know, we've talked to Denizens on the show. We've talked to Astrolab on the show. We're, we're, we're friends with the guys, at uh, the folks at Astrolab and Emma and Matt are wonderful. And uh, I found it a wonderful place to start going to because obviously we all live really, really close to here. And I, I find myself trying to go there, <laughs> like making excuses to actually go to Astrolab. Um, and in talking to them and talking to you guys, it's clear that you are all very good friends, that you all collaborate and you talk to one another and you help one another. And I think that's fantastic. So I think that's great that there's there's this community of brewing now in Silver Spring. But I do want to ask, there are three breweries really, really close. What do you guys think are some of the differentiators that you have from Denizens and from Astrolab? I think that's one thing that's really cool is actually for us to even talk amongst ourselves what some of those differentiating points are. You know, I know that Denizens has some really amazing sour beers. Um, shout out Kentucky Common. That's yes, like an all-time favorite. So good. Yeah. Um, and I know that Astrolab focuses uh, to some extent on more of the like hop forward beers. Um, and I think we are going to do a lot of different stuff, um, you know, but we'll certainly have some lagers. I think a big differentiator for us is going to be our real ale. Um, so our, you know, cast condition, uh, British pub style beers, I think we're going to put a lot of energy into that. And so there's always some, some crossover, you know, everybody's going to do a little bit of the same thing as everybody else, but you know, we're all have our different areas of focus in terms of the things that we like to, um, really emphasize. And then also, stylistically, you know, we all take a different approach. But I think one of the amazing things is knowing that there's other people that we can bounce ideas off of um, that are so close to us. You know, so I live walking distance. Denizens is actually closer to where I live than Silver Branch is, you know, (laughs) and, and, and my girlfriend works at Astrolab. So it is a, (laughs) it is a small world, you know, it, it, and and I think that's that's kind of how beer is, and so you know we're we're all super friendly and have have uh, past experiences. So yeah. is she going to keep working at Astrolab after you <laughs> yes, open? Yes, she is. yes. We made that clear. We okay. have uh, that was actually I you know I don't want to I don't want to say too much, but I I do know that uh, she was asked that question, and and we are very adamant about wanting to uh, be able to come home and have our fight club rules, right. which is that we don't talk about <laughs> work. <laughs> I mean, right. No, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, sometimes it slips out. Sometimes it's not always possible, but we definitely try to put some, some energy into, uh, into making sure that we're focused on music or things entirely unrelated. Yeah. Um, I know Adam, we want to, I want we want to ask you about the, the Cascale, but I've got one other question related to this uh, that I want to ask. Do you think now that downtown Silver Spring is saturated for breweries? Once you guys open, obviously. I wouldn't say so. Really? No. Um, I, I really, there are a lot of people who live in Silver Spring. And uh, I, I think that there are a lot of people who come to Silver Spring to go out. And so 
I actually think that we could support another brewery or two. Um, wow. And okay. I think that we'd be fine. And in fact, I mean, you look at other places in the, the DMV, you know, Loudoun County, I feel like they're, they have way more breweries uh, in, in, in a relatively small area than we do. And many of them are thriving. I think most of them are thriving. So, um, you know, I think that there's enough room in, in Silver Spring and in the surrounding environs to support another couple of breweries with a, a taproom focus. Cool. So one, just to add on to that, one thing that has been a point of conversation that I've brought up over the last year or so is Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been told throughout my whole life, at least as an adult, by other beer drinkers that I have to go there because it's such an amazing beer scene and there's so many great breweries. And I finally made it uh, a couple months ago and it just clicked. It's like, there were, I think, I don't even know the number, but within walking distance, there's seven or eight of them. You heard it here first. Uh, Silver Spring is a new Asheville. Silver That's Spring what I'm trying to say. That's Asheville. what I'm trying to say. Thank I love you. it. I love yeah. it. Well, Asheville has more, uh, this I do know, they have more beers per capita than any other place in the country. Yeah. So don't per they person. have a large number of wineries and distilleries. I don't know as well? about that. I don't drink that stuff. Asheville's yeah. a fun place to be. <laughs> yeah. That's... yeah. Well, one of the one of the cities that we would love to model ourselves on is is Bamberg, Germany. I think we brought this up in one of our previous <laughs> yeah. interviews. Yeah. And they've got seven breweries within the city walls of of Bamberg, mm-hmm. and um, you know, there's there's room for a lot of breweries uh, as long as you have people who come out to drink the beer. And to a certain extent, the more breweries you have, the more people realize, oh, this is a place to go and visit breweries in order to drink beer. So I'm not overly worried about the idea of having three breweries and uh, I think, you know, potentially up to three more in, in Silver Spring. You know, and, and Julie from Denizens, I, f- I can't remember where, but I feel like she was on record two or three years ago saying, in my ideal world, I'd love to have two more breweries because three is all of a sudden now enough to create a gravitational pull right. uh, on, yeah. on weekends, you know, and yeah, we're, yeah. we're all beginning that conversation mm-hmm. around, okay, let's look at putting together a silver spring brewery map. Yep. Let's look yep. at how we can, you know, we're, we're flushing out ideas, but we're all super excited for each other. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think that excitement sticks around for a long time. Well, I will tell you that the Brew Daddies would love to help any way we could, and as would DC Beer and uh, anything that 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 you guys plan to do. Because I'm I'm really excited, and, and I have to tell the listeners who by now, if you're a regular listener, you know that Adam and I live in Tacoma Park. These guys live in Tacoma Park. We all like this is basically our neighborhood, uh, and these are our neighborhood breweries. So I'm really excited to have all three of you, and it's. I will tell you, it's really wonderful when I can go, hey, you know, I got some work to do, and it's a Sunday afternoon, and I'm tired of being stuck in the house, and am I going to go to Denizen's, or am I going to go to Astrolab, or maybe I'll swing by Three Stars, or I can also get to Hellbender, or um, and Silver now Branch. Silver Branch. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to have those options, because it's really nice to be able to say, what am I in the mood for and what am I looking for? And, you know, there's all there's a little bit of a different vibe in each of the places, right? Um, so it's nice to have those options. And and, and I'm, re- I'm really glad that you guys are opening. And I, I'm in full agreement. I don't think it's saturated, uh, at least downtown Silver Spring. All right. Definitely time for a Silver Spring brewery, Carl. Yes. Yes, <laughs> absolutely it is. I think that would be great. All right. I want to talk a little bit about beer. So why don't you so kick do that I. off? So do I. So... 
you talked a little bit about the real ales and that you're going to have real ales. And I think most of our listeners probably know what it is. But can you explain a little bit about it and what your plans with that are? Yeah, so real ale is a traditional British way of um, putting beer into a vessel that's ready to be served at a pub. So they would brew beer. And as the beer was was finishing its fermentation, they would put it into casks and add a bit of additional sugar. In some cases, it added a little bit of hops, and it would get sent out right then to the publicans, uh, to the to the pubs uh, in the area of the brewery. And the publicans would actually be responsible for letting the beer condition and then and then serving it. And so uh, this is uh, when you go to a pub in Britain and you get. Uh, a beer that's been pooled by hand um, via a pump that, that the bartender pools, essentially, in order to pull the beer out of the cask. That's what cask-conditioned beer is, real ale is. And it's a tradition that Brett and I have a long-standing love of. And it's not necessarily very commonly uh, available in the United States. Increasingly, you see some cask beers, but they're really not oftentimes traditional British-style cask beer. They um, are oftentimes experimental beers, um, oftentimes delicious beers, but uh, we would like to really focus on making these traditional um, British-style beers, which in in the recent decades are generally uh, often lower gravity beers, so anywhere from three to you know five and a half percent alcohol. They're 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 meant for what the British call a session, a, a drinking session, where you go with four or six buddies and each person buys a round for the group and then at the end of the night you can actually still walk home oh yeah and uh (laughs) right it's helpful yeah yeah Uh, it's a great way to drink beer you know you can drink it in quantity and yet you don't get wasted and uh, they also just have so much flavor uh they these traditional british uh yeasts have a lot of esters and just a lot of really nice flavor um, and the hallmark of these beers is just balance. So they're not going to be extreme in terms of hoppiness. They're not going to be extreme in terms of maltiness or um, in any other way. They're just meant to be drunk in quantity while having really pleasant conversation with friends. And, and so it's a, it's a tradition that we'd like to pick up on and celebrate at, at, at Silver Branch. It sounds great. In terms of taps, I know you're going to have a lot of taps, but how many taps for the I guess not normal beer, but non-real <laughs> beer. beer. And how many taps are you going to have for real beer? So I reconditioned four beer engines for our cask program and just brought them the other day. So we're going to have hopefully oftentimes four um, cask beers on tap. You know, it may vary anywhere from two to four at any given time. And we have two 12-tap tow- 12-tap, um, towers uh, for our carbonated beers. And we generally will, um, right now we're setting it up so we would only have 12 beers total uh, on on those two towers. And then we have two towers that we ordered from the Czech Republic intended for serving lager beer. So we could have um, up to four cask beers, two um, beers on the Czech towers, and then 12 other beers. So it could be be up to, you know, 16 uh, beers at any given time might be the most traditional and I think that's striking a really nice balance of what the American drinking public will sort of be more accustomed to right. and be looking for while still remaining within the parameters of what is traditional even if it's on the lower end of being cooler sure. um, I think that's a little bit of a personal preference for both of us but it's also something where we are really adamant about wanting to do it right 
And in doing so, to serve real ale, people have to drink it, and they have sure. to drink a lot of it. It's well, not it's not beer that's meant to sit around for a long time, mm-hmm. either when it's in service or even before it gets to that point. And so, you know, we need to make it accessible so that people can see, oh, that's what they're getting at. And I think with Real Ale, it's like you got to drink two pints of 4% beer out of a 20-ounce glass with two of your buddies, and then you're like, I get it. Yeah, That's when you get what it is. And I I also think you're right. Like It's hard if you're not used, if you don't know what to expect, to drink a beer that's 50, 55 degrees. it just it, it puts people off who because if they don't know what to expect. So if I order a casca like I, I was at Denison's the other day, somebody orders a a beer and it comes out at fifty five degrees, and you don't know to expect it, it's a bit off putting. And that's where the whole reputation of real ale as being flat and warm comes from. Well, real ale is not flat and it's not warm. It's less carbonated and it is less cold, but it's it's neither flat nor warm, and it is freaking delicious. It is freaking um, delicious. It's just you have to uh, set people's expectations, and that's mm. going to be on our servers. Right. Um, and so we've we've actually hired uh, some servers already. They haven't started working yet, but they're excited to be here, and we're excited to have them. And they seem to be a really capable group. So I look forward to telling people what to expect, so that when they do get a cast condition beer, they give it a chance before they you know, just reject it as being different from what they've had before. That's well, what someone who has problems with carbonation, I'm very happy that you're going to have real ales because, yeah, I mean, I don't drink soda because it's way too carbonated mm-hmm. for me. I can't drink it. Um, and beer is right on the cusp, but I love beer. Um, <laughs> but real ales, yeah, he I suffers love through. The, He's such the, a martyr. The, that it's not quite as carbonated. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I get more of the flavor. And more it is. It's actually, you get more flavor from mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so we just look okay. forward to... Speaking of beer. Now, uh, Brett, you went out and got some beer because you guys don't have beer in, in-house quite yet. I know you've done a lot of collabs. Um, but tell us, you really wanted us to try this beer. So I want to make sure, and, and wait, we're going to open these up. Okay, let's just uh, open our beers then. Uh, Doesn't beer. that sound good? It's O Beer 100. Hell yeah, it does. But yeah, so tell us about tell us about what we're trying and why you love it so much. So the uh, first beer that we opened up is the Dewpoint Pale Ale from Brookville Beer Farm. I was fortunate enough to go up to Brookville the other day and talk with Kenny about putting together a collab. Uh, between Brookville and Silver Branch um, to help us have some beer on hand when we open up our doors. And there's two other breweries that helped us in that way. Uh, we also brewed a English IPA with Astrolab. And Quick question. Is that available at Astrolab right now? It is not yet. Okay. But you should come well, to the tapping party. I will. Yeah, I will. Because I saw week, that happen, and I was like, i got to get to Astrolab, and I didn't have a chance. So anyway, go ahead. I think it's Friday, January 25th mm-hmm. at 4 p.m. is the tapping party of okay. Old Radicals, our got English it. IPA. That's, that almost a, that's a description of me, Old Radicals. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an accident. <laughs> we were thinking of you when we named it. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So the reason that I wanted us to drink this was because when I was up at Brookville talking with Kenny and we're putting together uh, like a vice beer, we were just, they, him and Phil were incredibly generous and they 
Porter Flight and I got to taste a bunch and I now understand why this pale ale won a gold medal mm-hmm. uh, in the state of Maryland because it's just infinitely sessionable. I mean, it's yeah. so tasty. It's got a beautiful hop flavor. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, you guys are drinking it with me. Yeah, yeah. Can, no, it's fantastic. So yeah. I, I wanted to bring that because I wanted to show them some love. And uh, I also want to show some love to Weradaka, who we're going to brew a Saison with. So nice. three different breweries, all Moco based that are uh, really helping us out. And we're brewing collaborations with them and bringing the beer in house so that we can uh, essentially brew into our own tap list so we'll have more variety sooner because these guys are helping us out um we also brewed a couple uh beers uh under our own brand at oliver brewing company right. and they're really good friends of ours too and they helped us out we got to do a, a batch of our ipa and our tropical stout and so this is going to allow us to open closer to mid-february Whereas otherwise, we'd probably not be opening till mid-March if we didn't have uh, some other excellent brewers kind of helping us do this So stuff. you guys are going to open with these some of these collabs. Yeah. Um, what about your flagships? Did you brew flagships at two Oliver? Of our, two of our flagships are brewed at Oliver, that's so right. So you're going to be able to open with those? Yeah. Nice. So Chronicle, excellent. our tropical stout, and Quantum Shift, our, our IPA. Excellent. Our wow. IPA. Both of those look great from the descriptions yeah. on the website, I have to say. Thanks. Thanks. All right. One more question, Christian. Will you be wearing your leader hosen anytime soon at the <laughs> I We've seen do. Christian in his leader hosen, by the way. Later hosen is the proper pronunciation. Excuse me, later hosen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, I would traumatize my son if I kept wearing those. So, uh, I think I will have to. Um, uh, de- defer that until maybe <laughs> next year uh, at Oktoberfest season when I will definitely be putting them on again. All right. Anything else you guys want to tell us about before we close this episode of the Brew Daddies? I think I want to say thanks. You've been with us for a big part of this journey. So uh, thanks for you know listening oh, to us. It's been great. It, I, I got to be honest. I, the last time we did one of these, I listened back to it and you must have caught us at a special place because <laughs> I think we were wearing our emotions on our sleeves. And I think we still are. Yeah. But right say. now we're a lot happier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's cool to see that, you know, that, that progression. Yeah. No, it's been fun. It's been fun to, to go through this. And of course, you know, uh, when you were managing at Republic uh, and, and I, when Republic opened at Tacoma Park, not that our listeners care about this, but um, I was extremely excited to have a place like that, a place that was serving locally distributed, self-distributed beer um, in my neighborhood, finally, um, where I could just go and say, okay, what do you got? Like, I want to try that. I want to try that. I want to try that. Uh, and so, and then that was when I first started hearing about this idea of opening a brewery. And so, uh, it's been f- really fun and really interesting because at the timeline of you guys figuring this out is not that far off of the timeline of us, me and Adam, figuring out, hey, let's let's do this podcast about breweries. So um, you're the only brewer we've talked to three times. Uh, the only brewery we've talked to more than once, actually. Uh, yes. Yes. Although so. we're talking to uh, tomorrow we get to go see Red Bear. 
for oh, a nice. time yeah, to do yeah, their, yeah. their pre their Sweet. their pre opening interview, and that'll be we'll have talked to them twice. But but yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. It's been really a lot of fun to like watch all of this develop and talk to you guys this many times. And I can't wait till you open. And you know, uh, well. I will be here if I possibly. I have travel plans at the end of February, so I'm really like praying for that mid-February uh, opening before I before I leave for ten days. Yeah, and definitely looking to the fourth podcast here after you've opened. I was gonna say I want to hold that title. Yeah, I yeah, I think yeah. We could be at the the top of the Brew Daddies list. I'll be pretty excited. To your guys' credit, I we've done a fair number of podcasts, um, and. I've had a fair number of people come up to me and be like, "Oh, I heard about you guys through Brew Daddy." So oh, nice! That's it's it's fun when you can share in the uh, the growth of of yeah. starting something yeah. together. Yeah, so that's fun. No, it, it is a lot of fun, and uh, maybe we'll do some live stuff. I, I now have yeah. the capability to like really like walk around and interview people mm. and stuff. So maybe we'll maybe we'll do some live stuff around opening time. Uh, and just throw out a special episode of like the grand opening because it'll be, be fun. fun yeah. it'll that be fun. would be a lot of fun. That would be yeah, great. All right. Well, listen, thanks again. Uh, Christian Lakey, Brett Robeson, Adam, thanks for showing up. This is the first time you've made one of these yeah. uh, for Silver Branch. Uh, listen and subscribe to the Brew Daddies wherever you get a podcast. Please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Tell your friends about us and come back. I think next week we'll be talking to... Well, I'm not going to say, because we've got a lot of great breweries coming up all over the area. We're talking to breweries in Maryland. D.C., Virginia. D.C., Virginia. we got to get outside of the tri-state area. But uh, thanks again. Come back next week, two weeks from now, for another episode of Brew Daddies. And remember, always drink great beer. <laughs>